Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Way We See It podcast. I'm Tati. I'm Mariana. And welcome back to our podcast, guys. This is episode 20. We're already crying. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I couldn't even just press the recording button because like, like I knew this was episode 20 already, but I just wasn't mentally prepared for it. I was in denial. Yeah, like this this day, this episode 20 came really fast. Like, I feel real. like time passed like really fast. So July till now, it went like this. Yeah, like my cheeks already hurt from smiling so much about it. Like we've been talking um, about, um, what's it called? Like we have been talking about how much work this is and how tired we are and how busy we are. But like, this is our podcast. Like the this is a routine that we've made, like switching weeks, like doing documents, editing, posting, posting things on our story, like just trying to talk to you guys and all that and giving you guys information for our episodes. And now after this, it's like back to my same boring life. <laughs> we'll be back. But thank you guys for, um, we reached a hundred followers on Instagram. Like after we recorded our 19th episode last week, we reached a hundred followers. Literally. So thank you guys, if you haven't already, follow us the way we see it. At, with a C, in case you guys still need yes. reminders about that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then this week's episode is going to be about distance learning and we actually have our very first guest speaker on the show and you want to introduce, you want introduce yourself yes hi everyone my name is diana garcia um i'm an english teacher this is my 24th year teaching i taught 20 years in new york city department of education and now i teach in upstate new york mm. and i teach english i taught seventh eighth uh 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. I taught the AP English language uh, courses. And now I'm teaching three different grades in this pandemic. Oh <laughs> my God. That's a lot of experience. Thank yeah. you for taking the time out of your busy schedule um, to be a, yeah. our official guest speaker for this um, topic. On the 20th, on the 20th yeah. episode. This is going to be a historic moment because when we have following guests come later on, they're going to, we're just going to be like, yeah, but they weren't her. They weren't our first guest speaker. And that's just how it's always going to be. <laughs> so um, why do we want to talk about this topic? So education has changed drastically due to the pandemic since March. Mm -hmm. Many schools and colleges have gone remote while others do both like a hybrid. It has impacted students, teachers, as well as parents in various ways. And we'll get into like those details throughout this episode. And as I've mentioned like um, many times in this episode, I'm a graduate student and I currently take all my classes online. I take four classes online. And I also work as a substitute teacher and I'm also connecting with students online as well. Oh yeah, like now when you say all like that, Ariana, like substitute teacher, like you can really see how busy you are now too. Um, but yeah, I also want to talk about distance learning also because you know I got switched out um, online um, remote teaching, remote learning, like literally in March, right in the beginning. Like I think it was second week of March when we got placed into remote learning, and 
so difficult. Like I would rather wake up every morning um, to actually wake up and be ready to be in school than knowing that my computer's right there and I can sleep through my classes. Like that doesn't help me at the end of the day. So it's impacted me also socially and emotionally. And it's in the beginning, it really made me really antisocial because, you know, like lack of friendship and not seeing people anymore and interacting. So I thought it was really important to like talk about it also. Mm -hmm. And Dinara, why do you think this topic is so important as a teacher? Oh my God, like uh, as an educator, uh, it has totally changed the way I taught. Like I have a master's in learning technology. So hence, <laughs> it's an important master's to have at this moment, um, but it does not prepare you for teaching in a pandemic at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get uh, the experience of th- uh, threefold as an educator, as a parent, um, it, it's, it's, difficult and I, I I'm concerned about certain students who need that teacher to be in your face and a student can't take me home unless they're online or something like that um it's it's been a, a different mindset and time like I, I I am in constant battles with time there's not enough time to do all that I need to do to get prepared to grade um to parent and make sure that my sixth grader and my 12th grader is doing their work at home. So it's a, it's a, it's not an easy task. So it's difficult and frustrating for parents as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could imagine for real, especially seeing like how this really impacts people that like also, um, that aren't even just teachers, but they're also parents, like having full-time jobs, I know that's put a real strain on my mom also with her job and taking care of my brother at home. It's been really difficult, like trying to juggle the two, especially if parents are being asked to go back um, to work now instead of being remote and then their children aren't of age to be home alone and they don't have a babysitter for whatever reason. So I can see how that's really difficult. And sometimes you have older siblings watching the younger ones and they are legally of age to stay home alone and watch their kids, but then they have their work to do plus that of their siblings because their parents work in the day. Yeah. So there's, there's no other choice, you know? Yeah, it really puts a strain on a lot of people um, in different ways. So we're gonna get into what is distance learning. So when teachers and students are physically separated and use technology to facilitate communication, also known as remote learning, like we were saying before, and the different types of distance learning is synchronous, asynchronous and the hybrid model which is what like so it's like you uh, have both so that means that in my school currently we have all three models happening in my school building right now three models yes so um i'll give you like a sounds like college it is you can explain so in my school so at the beginning of the school year the parents were able to select how which model their child was going to participate in. So then you have students who are fully remote, they are at home, um, and then they wait for the teachers to do like a Google Meet or something, right? Mm -hmm. So um, then you have the kids who are in the hybrid schedule. So they go into the school on, let's say, A day. They come in twice a week. The kids are in B days coming twice a week, but the A day kids come on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then the B day kids come on Thursday and Friday. And then the rest of those days, they're 
learning remotely. Mm. So then on Monday in my school, um, it's um, asynchronous work. That means that the students are working independently on some work that the teacher gave them. And then um, on Monday through Thursday, depending on the class, the teacher can decide whether they're teaching um, synchronously. That means that I have six kids in front of my class. I am teaching the six who are there in the hybrid schedule. And at the same time, I'm turning on my computer, having a Google Meet with the kids in that period, teaching at the same time. So synchronous means that they're all in sync, the kids who are physically in the building and the kids who are remotely are learning at the same time. Oh, actually, I do know what you're talking about because if you guys don't know this already, I'm roomies with my little cousin. She's a senior in high school now. And um, before she, because her school actually um, get, like sent a letter out to um, parents to see if they prefer their children to go back to school or if they wanted they could be online completely. So she chose to be home and not go back to school. So her teacher will have the Google meeting set up. So she'll be home, but she's also teaching students that are in the classroom at the same time. I'm right. like, well, that's synchronous. Yeah. Like you literally hear the school bell through the camera. Like, exactly. yeah, I don't know how teachers do that. One time I did have to sub for a class and the teacher was teaching remotely and um, in person at the same time. And she put me in charge of like making sure the remote kids were paying attention and were doing their work because she's standing up. And like parents were complaining that she couldn't, they couldn't hear the teacher. It was, it was a, it was a lot because she's trying it's to difficult. pay attention to the kids online, but she's standing up, like, you know, walking in front of the classroom and then the kids in, in person, they also need attention too. Yeah. I see that it happened a lot with um, the teachers that my cousin has, because I'll be having my own classes, but my school and college, all my classes right now are all online. None of them are in person, but I do know from my science class that I have next semester, um, the lab, they are requiring us to go back to the campus and just do that. And then that's it. But for her, like the teacher will actually make time to like pay attention to the students that are on like the Zoom or the Google um, calls. So like one minute, like my cousin could be sleeping and then hear her name be called. And then she'd be like, yeah, I'm here. But it's like one of those things where you wouldn't think that the teacher's going to pay attention oh, why, to you, but then they are. Um, so wait, she has the little, she doesn't show the camera? <laughs> what? No, she doesn't. Yeah. Some of her teachers don't um, require them to show the camera. Oh, my school is a requirement. You have to show your face. And that's mm -hmm. because of that. And some of my so teachers require that also. That was like one of the struggles that I had initially. So at the beginning of the school year, it wasn't a requirement and the principal um, led it, the decision up to the teacher. Um, but I teach English. That's my standard is speaking, listening and viewing. How am I speaking to circles, right? I just find that like human interaction is enough that like we're not socializing anymore. Now mm -hmm. kids are hiding behind a little dot on Google, uh, uh, meets and it's driving me insane. And then the other issue is like, is enough as, as weird as it is, then you're typing. Unmute yourself, speak. Why are you typing oh, yeah. across it? Click the unmute button and ask the question. We want to hear your voice, mm -hmm. you know? And then the, the irony now is that in the hybrid schedule, the beginning of the school year, you, you know, we have to wear the mask. So it's like, I'm mem is enough that memorizing names is always like a difficult thing for teachers at the beginning of the year. 
So imagining, imagine in, uh, memorizing student names that only come twice a week with half a mm. face. So I'm memorizing <laughs> eyes and hair and then the bottom half. Mm-hmm. So when I have the meets, I'm like, oh, that's what they look like. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so excited to have a Google Meet because I get to see my students' faces. So I don't want to see a dot. Yeah. yeah. It's like now, like it's creating students who are uh, a, a self-conscious of what we look like. And we were having a conversation today about that. Like I was asking them, okay, how are you guys going to adjust when you guys are now forced to show yourselves on the camera? Mm-hmm. And I asked them, what is it that bothers you? They're like, miss in class, we are talking and I'm talking to other students and I see their faces, but I'm not looking at myself on the screen. So that is true. Like you right now, like we're talking right now and I'm looking yeah. at myself, making all these hand gestures that I didn't notice <laughs> that I was doing. I talk with my hands, people, right? And now I'm like, oh, let me control my hands because now I see that I'm still using it. <laughs> I think that's what the kids are freaking out about mm-hmm. is that now you have, uh, all eyes are literally on you the whole time. I was having a conversation with my mom about this and like she says that she thinks that some of the students are ashamed of like the place they live in. They're not proud of proud of like their living space and they don't wanna they don't wanna showcase that. Uh, And back today when we had the the social, uh, we were playing around with now because uh, they were made aware of that, Google created that background image. So now you're able, like Zoom, create your background. So today I was teaching my students and get them ready for next week when we go full remote after Thanksgiving, um, how to blur the background. And I tested it. There was a teacher who came into my room to say hi to the students. And you see how my, where my pencil is? Mm-hmm. The teacher was literally behind me and you couldn't see it at mm-hmm. all. I had to, on, uh, the person had to go like, in front of where my hand is right now because we were testing. So that would be like if a kid is in a room and then the parent is walking by in the kitchen, the kids won't be able to see them because they have that background and they could literally walk behind this chair and they still won't, they still will be blurred. So I think that feature kind of alleviates like some of the stress about, you know, where they live if you're mm-hmm. using that platform because not yeah. every school uses Google. That is pretty cool though. I know we could do that through Zoom because I haven't done it personally, but I've seen a few people like change their backgrounds before. Mm-hmm. But that is cool, but also kind of scary because you could be in class and next thing you know, your parent is right there just reading on your neck. <laughs> but that is um, kind of cool, but it is sad at the same time because I remember reading about it all the time when um, COVID first hit and schools first went remote. And a lot of these kids talking about like, how a lot of them don't have Wi-Fi at their house. And so that's why they would be doing their homework at school, like after school. Now they can't even do that. Um, staying also after school to focus on schoolwork more because they can't focus at home. And now they don't have these resources anymore. And I know it was a real big adjustment. Mm-hmm. That was sad. Yeah, so we're going to get to the next part. So when it all started, when this learning all started. So on March 11, 2020, the World Health Organization announced COVID-19 as a pandemic, which disrupted in-person learning for dozens of students. It is estimated that school closures impacted about 70% of student population worldwide. Um, so I just wanted to like discuss like when we heard this announcement, what were like our initial thoughts of how it's gonna impact our education? For me, I remember it was a Wednesday and it was like, I was in my seven o'clock class in, at my college 
and we all got the email during class and then we're telling our professor and we're, we're like we're school is closed for the rest of the semester and I'm like what <laughs> and the professor couldn't believe it either and then like I was just I wasn't even thinking of like how like we're gonna attend class but I was just more thinking like I'm never gonna see my classmates ever again like yeah. not until next year like I'm not gonna see my professor until next year that was like where my mind was going mm-hmm. when I heard that announcement honestly I'm not gonna lie I don't remember what was going on in my head when that first happened like I don't remember when I got the announcement my initial reaction but I do know like um I was pretty upset but I I had mixed feelings about it like I was like yeah cool I'm home like this is chill but then a few weeks started kicking in I was like I want to go outside like I want to interact with people I was like this is not funny anymore and then I started seeing it from other people's perspectives and putting myself in other people's shoes I was like yeah, no, this is not, this is not cool. Like, I can't do this anymore. Um, because a lot of the, my friends that were still in high school, their, their graduations were getting canceled. Um, and then, you know, like I said before, everybody adjusting. So I don't know. Yeah. You, you knew the whole day. <laughs> it was a Wednesday. No, I remember that day. Like, I remember I even got Chipotle because I was like, I know I'm not to get Chipotle in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got Chipotle after class and I went home. <laughs> me it wasn't even Wednesday like we were teaching and I remember for me it was Friday the 13th Friday the 13th um in my school building they didn't notify the teachers until 3 p.m when we left and we got home and that's when we got an email and I was livid livid because I the lack of communication is what upset me because I knew they knew and we heard Mm -hmm. rumors and all I was thinking about being the English teacher I could have distributed books. I saw all my kids today. I would have given them the books. That's what I kept thinking about. Like I, if I had known, I would have distributed the books. I would have done the things. All the stuff were in my room. Like I was just thinking like, it's like an emergency people evacuate and then you leave your personal belongings. I was just thinking of all the materials that I needed to teach my class. And then at the beginning, I was like, okay, this is not bad. I could teach from home. This is all right. And then it was that comfortable because I thought it was temporary. So Mm -hmm. it was surreal. And I was like, okay, this is just to safeguard us. And then March 13th turned to April. Then like, okay, we're going to go back in April after, you know, Easter. And then it didn't happen. And then next thing you know is June. We have students' graduations. We have missed proms. We have like all these missed events that were like mm-hmm. life-changing for students. Yeah. And then we started with the whole computer stuff because then that's like another issue, you know. But I, it, it was just frustrating for me because I, I didn't get the closure that I needed with the students. Yeah. That, that I needed. It's heartbreaking for me. Just I knowing that I want to be a teacher too. Excuse me? I said, no, that's heartbreaking to me hearing you say that because I want to be a teacher too. And if I got that announcement mad late, not even knowing that I couldn't give my students the book that I was ready to teach them about and like all the mm-hmm. materials we needed to go on about what needed to be teached throughout the rest of the year, I would have been tight. <laughs> it was just like crazy because then I'm thinking, but on the bright side, I was like, okay, this was easier then starting this year in September, now when we get to that part, I'll explain because my kids knew me. 
they knew me, they knew my routine. So it was like when we went on the computer, it was like, okay, it was the same rituals and routines, except for that it was online. Yeah. But starting this year, September, with kids that don't know you, don't know how your room runs because you don't have a room, starting this year was harder than teaching and adjusting to the pandemic from March, I find. Mm. It's crazy. Um, so during the spring lockdown, how did your school transition to distance learning? Like, how is distance learning being conducted now compared to then? Okay, so at the beginning, um, we, uh, my school is a, a laptop school, so we always have, uh, in the sixth and seventh grade, we have Chromebooks carts in every classroom, um, and they don't have their own. So um, in the eighth grade, what they do is, from eighth grade on, they get issued a computer, a Chromebook that they keep and use for the rest of the school year, mm -hmm. and it's a loaner, um, and they use it until their senior year. Um, so every eighth grader to the 12th grade, my school is a sixth through 12th school, um, had a, a Chromebook. So that wasn't the problem. The problem is I teach seventh grade and none of my kids have a Chromebook. Mm. So um, I was like, how? So it's interesting that the students were using a device on their phone or their parents' computers. Mm -hmm. um, so what my school did, they, they did an alphabetical order list and the parents had to send an email and fill out a ticket to uh, sign out a loaner. So what they did was that they dismantled all of our classroom carts and distributed to all the students. Oh, okay. And they started with the seventh grade and then the sixth grader. So every kid had a loaner um, that they were able to use. Then the issue was um, my school didn't create a schedule. And I think that that's one of the things that I felt I needed the structure because I had a nasty argument with a foreign language teacher who was taking up my Google Meet time and my poor student had to choose between, do I take French or do I take English? My mind, I'm like, take English, hello, I'm a major subject, but I didn't do that. I was like, you know what? Go to the French class and then you just come to me whenever. So then I was like, we need a schedule. What is this free for? Because then, the teachers are fighting for, I'm doing a Google Meet three times a week. I follow the school schedule. But then my, I think my school didn't know, like they didn't do a, a schedule for us. So it was like, you do it when you wanted to, but it was causing chaos. We created a Google uh, sheet ourselves so that the other teachers can see when you were having a meet so that the students didn't have to pick and choose what the subjects and then eventually they realized we need a schedule duh like we're school the school functions with a schedule the same thing when you're home you know so and then then the adjustment was okay we had a schedule but then how do we get those kids who are thinking yay we're staying up to three o'clock in the morning we're waking up at oh at one o'clock in the afternoon when the teacher is waiting to have a meet and no one is showing up. Mm. And then I'm like sending emails, take attendance, take attendance. Uh, do you do the work? I, it would be five o'clock and I'm still sitting in the, in the sofa, still responding to students. Like, can you do the work? Can you do the work? I was exhausted. I didn't know how to turn off my computer. You know, the end of the day, you have a bell that rings and tells you, okay, school is over. The kids are gone. But on the computer, the kids are sending me work at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, why am I responding? But then I'm like happy that they did the work. But then it was like mentally exhausting. 
I was in front of the computer the whole time and I didn't know how to, how to pace myself and close the laptop and say, Oh, I got to cook now. Oh, I have to clean now. But no, it was, it felt like teaching was from nine to five all day. And then even after that. So it was difficult. So yeah, like how was it from, cause you had said that this year and everything with new students, like it was a little bit more challenging because they don't know your schedule. Like, so what was the difference? Okay, so remember that we went from being in school to fully remote mm -hmm. and then creating a schedule online. And then we learned as a community together, figuring it out and we survived it. Um, we had the graduation outdoors with limited seating. Um, and that was great. Um, we had to cancel trips. I um, yeah. am a middle school uh, advisor and we organized uh, a trip to Rocking Homeless Ranch up there and we had to cancel it. And they were great. They returned our money. But then now we are September. So September, parents were filling out a survey. Teachers were filling out a survey um, because the teachers, you need to figure out if the teachers have children Mm -hmm. whose school is not open so they might need childcare, or they might not be able to return to work mm -hmm. so there were some people who had to take childcare leave because they have little ones that they had to take care of so it was like a hot mess trying to figure out how many kids were coming in how many kids were not and the parents were keeping them home so what i like about my school was that they created a, a schedule and whatever you decide you have to keep your kid in that same program for five weeks. So if I chose, for example, I have my two daughters and I have one in the sixth grade, one in the 12th grade, and I wanted them to come in a hybrid. So they came in twice a week and then for the rest of the three days, they uh, work remotely. Um, my daughter is in the sixth grade. So the state law requires that K through six come into school every day. So I, my sixth grader was going to school every day on a half a day schedule. So my school where we uh, do periods one through nine and what they did was they created a half day, um, did six periods instead of nine. So the kids come in at 740, they leave at 1205 and then they go home. So it's a half a day. So then for me as a teacher, we have a contract, we have a union, I'm used to, you don't teach no more than four periods in a row. I was teaching six and not teaching in my classroom. And I'm like, what the heck? I had a, a card, a little rolling card. I had my entire teacher life in a little box on a rolling card. I wasn't even teaching in my own room. I was traveling from class to class. And by 12 o'clock, I was like, oh my God, now I have to go home and then get the remote kids and answer their work and do their stuff and, and take attendance and do all this stuff. So it was already 1240, the end of my day. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to do this again tomorrow. Mm. And then remember I teach, I was able to see my A group, A kids. So I'm in a hybrid schedule. My kids are in the hybrid. They come in, uh, one group of kids come on Tuesdays and Thursday and the B kids come Thursday and Friday. And then you have the remote kids. So my daughter was a senior. She went in and she was going every day. And then because of the schedules, none of her teachers were teaching her. So the schedule was so crazy that it felt like six study halls. So my daughter was like, you know what, mom? It's like, I'm teaching remotely, but I'm going to school, which made no sense. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a letter requesting that they, she stay home and do remote. So then she's remote. 
So then um, parents, it's, you, the rule was that you can't keep deciding to bring your kid back in and out because of the social distancing spacing. So in my school, there were 12 uh, people in a room with the teacher. So there's only 11 desks for students and the teacher. So that's what they needed to know how many kids were coming in hybrid and how many kids were staying remote. And you have five weeks and they ask you the question again every five weeks. And if you wanted to bring your kid back in, then they would do that. If you want to pull your kid out, then you had to wait another five weeks to change it because they couldn't do that. And that's what I thought was very organized. Mm -hmm. um, but you had the right as a parent to remove your kid anytime you wanted. You didn't have to wait five weeks to, if you felt like your kid wasn't doing well, things weren't safe, you could pull your kid out and have them uh, remote at any moment. But you just had to wait the five weeks to bring them back. So I thought that was good. The difficult thing was my students were all over the place mixed in different periods. So I taught period one, but I had all of my seventh graders mixed together in different classes. So I wasn't following my regular school schedule. My kids were all over the place, but I was their English teacher. So it was confusing at first. Um, and then you didn't get to know the kids because you only know them for two days and then you get a new batch. So then the expectation mm -hmm. for us that the principal was like, we have to have day-to-day -day instruction. I was thinking, okay, do I do two lessons and then teach those same two lessons for the next group? No you had to teach every day a new lesson with the kids in front of you or without. It sounds like math. So it was difficult. You know what the problem was? That the kids that came on Thursday, they didn't do any work all week. So I'm teaching a lesson on Thursday. I'm excited to see them. I'm like, okay, so, you know, yesterday's work, no one did it. Did you do Wednesday's work? No. Do you do Tuesday's work? No. So after giving a lecture for like 10 minutes that the kids are like, oh my God, this lady's getting on my nerves. Cause I'm just like, I'm prepared for you. Be prepared for me giving them the sob story. Right. And then I had to review the lessons for the three days before I even taught my lesson that Thursday. So every Thursday I am literally giving lectures and catching up on the kids that did nothing. Cause when they're home, they think it's a weekend. They don't do work. And now they're kind of getting used to it, but it was difficult. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that like, literally had my head spinning. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded confusing, right? I'm so confused. But <laughs> I was literally imagining it as a movie where, you know, like you literally see the person running across the hallway to different rooms. That, that's literally how I see you. That's what we had to do and stand in the hallway and wait for another teacher who's coming in to your room because you can't leave the kids. Oh, that's another thing. So my kids, uh, I now school, my students don't move. The teachers do. So that's why I think the cases were a little bit more contained in terms of the positive cases because the students weren't traveling, the teachers were. Mm -hmm. So they oh, got to stay in that room for two days and then they were wiped down and clean everything for the new group that came in. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit more controlled because we're a small school. So I had heard you mention desk in your story. So there's 12 desks, 12 students. Is it those kind of, is it the regular desk that they would um, have like for just one student or was it like the, the kind of desk you see in the science labs? Okay, so um, remember that we're in a school and each room has different setups. So there are mm -hmm. art rooms, there are, um, my school used the, the gym and then did a partition and that's where the sixth graders were. So we have individual desks. 
And then in the, I teach the 11th grade honor students. And in that room, I'm teaching in a science uh, classroom and it's the big, large desk. And it's one student per desk, but it's only 11 students and one teacher. So the max is 12 people in the room. Oh, got it, got it. And for the individual desk, you guys like, how do you guys social distance the students? All right, so the desks are arranged six feet apart. So oh, exactly. remember, we're in a room, yeah, six feet apart on either side, and they don't move. So mm-hmm. um, when the custodians come in and do the deep cleaning, the rooms, the, the, the desks stay the same, which is important. Like, my concern was, like, when that, that seventh grader that I have forgets to charge their Chromebook at night, and you're already sitting in a place, you can't get up and move someplace else to charge your Chromebook. Because mm. then now you're contaminating another space. So I like yeah. give lectures about that. The same way you sleep, you have to, you know, energize yourself. You need to charge your Chromebook and come to school prepared. So where they sit, that's where they stay for the two days where they come in. It's OD. Imagine imagine that for um ADHD kind of students. That that would yeah. be really difficult. Yeah, I know. And that the thing is, I think of middle school, the upper grades, you're used to standing and traveling. You get that break by walking you know, four minutes in between to the next class. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who are running around crazy and the kids are sitting there. You know, they get to stand and stuff like that. But the good thing is that my school did a half a day schedule. So they're only there, you know, for the six periods um, that they're there. And the last period is it's their flex period. That's their lunch. So this was where I was getting nervous as a teacher. And I was excited that I was teaching during that time. So, and as a parent, this was what I was worried about my daughter. So they bring their lunch to them. So at the morning, they ask who wants the lunch. This is the lunch, how many lunches they bring. So they come up during the sixth period um, and they give them lunch. And then they have to, they sit in their seats, they take off their masks to eat, and then they have to put their masks back on. And then to dump their food, they have to like, put their masks back on and one person goes to maintain the social distancing. But then as a parent, that was one of the questions that I had was this is airborne. Uh, I'm eating and then I sneeze and then it comes out. Then what happens? Right. So um, they've been doing that and there haven't been like an outbreak or anything like that um, during the lunch. So it's not like that. So I don't know. Yeah. The same thing was done in the, in the city that the, the lunch um, people that were in charge of the lunch aides, they would bring the lunch to the classroom and they would eat in the classroom. And they obviously. And how many kids there. were there? Less than 10 kids. Very less than 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never heard of any of that. So I'm like, they brought them food to the classroom? Like, look, like yeah. this is the hotel reserving. Um, and then in New York <laughs> State, it's the law before the students pay for lunches. Now lunches are free for everyone. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they, they don't have to pay for lunches. So the state um, covered that cost for, I think, for the schools. Wow. That's nice. Because, like, when I went, I, the high the high school that Dan Aaron teaches in, this is the one I graduated from, and we had to pay for lunch. Yeah. I didn't have to pay for lunch because of the, how my mom fit into the school mm-hmm. and and all that. But that's kind of cool that, you know, that goes for everybody now. Like, it's free. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. So now did you want to get into the digital divide now and how it is? From the remote learning? Yeah. So one, we wanted to talk about the digital divide. Um, so before the pandemic, 
there was a huge gap between access to internet and technology in Black, Latinx, Native American, and low-income families that already existed. The only difference now is the pandemic has made the digital divide more apparent. This is similar to how, how we've been seeing COVID-19 has been unevenly impacting Blacks, Latinx, Native Americans, and low-income fam- communities. And this correlation is due to inequality in access to healthcare. Mm. Um, and yeah, I remember like a few episodes, like in the in the summer, I, w- I said like, distance learning is gonna impact um, um, low-income families, low kids that come from those families, gonna impact Blacks, gonna pick, impact Latinx, Native Americans, minorities basically and we're probably going to see that like that really that big impact like those numbers a few years from now oh yeah for sure when all the research and all that data comes in they're really going to see how affected people emotionally mentally physically and even like how it affected a lot of people's educations like maybe a few students decided to drop out like what were the percentages with that like how many people had to repeat a grade or um like the statistics that they saw maybe like changes in grades too like who knows they may have it all by then and they weren't weren't, uh penalizing students last year for yeah i know that so like sometimes people say oh they got the corona pass right so they moved on and i think that sometimes that's what makes it difficult for certain students to adjust because you got a pass last year and do you continue to do nothing and you're going to move on? Mm-hmm. You know? So then now you, you're trying to hold them accountable and they haven't adjusted to, oh, wait, I have to do work now this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That also because um, I know last year also they, a lot of the students didn't have to take their regents. Yes. That got postponed. They January's right now. There's mm-hmm. no January. Regents. They just canceled it. It's crazy. Like, knowing for us, Ariana, like, probably you too, um, how we needed those regions to graduate. Yeah. Now there's really students here about to graduate, go on to the next grade. And you don't have, have to take regions. it ever. So mm-hmm. it's not like if you were slated to take it, you don't have to retake it even if they open it up the following year. So you're done with it. And then also a lot of colleges are not requiring SAT. I did horrible yeah. my SAT. I did horrible my SAT too. SAT also, like if I could have used that as an excuse to get into a really good school. Right. And sometimes your scores is not an indicator of your performance. Some kids are poor test takers. And I see that in some students, you know, they have test anxiety. They don't pass well, but they're smart. And then, you know, they accomplish great things and go to college and, you know, become professionals and have low SAT scores. So sometimes, you know, I see them as more than just a number of a score. Period. (laughs) That's how I see it also. And then following what Ariana was saying, a U.S. Pew research study found that during the spring lockdown, 36% of low-income parents reported their children were were unable to complete their schoolwork because they did not have access to a computer, compared to 14% of middle-income parents and 4% of upper-income parents. The digital inclusion gap then leads to the lower engagement rates of lower associate socioeconomic stat- statuses. That's how you said it, right, Adi? Yeah. Yeah. Students in school districts with high Title I funding that serves low-income communities report they are less likely to have school-provided device and more likely more likely to use their own computer, computers or mobile device. Yeah. 
that's another thing that I was mentioning before um, earlier, like when COVID first struck, a lot of students didn't have Wi-Fi, um, the computers, because I know for us being that we're in upstate New York, I know not a lot of schools were, um, their funding to their schools didn't provide those computers. And then, you know, COVID had not, do you know by any chance um, if I just just had a comment. uh, I was just wondering about that last statement because like coming from New York City and um, I've worked in like in my 20 years in six different schools and some most of them were title one schools. So when you have a title one school, that school has more money. Yeah. Mm. Funding. So they have more resources. They're the schools where I've worked with Title Ones. There were laptops. There were this. There was like an excess of materials because they had those fundings. And yeah. then I remember one year I worked, uh, a couple of years I worked in Riverdale uh, Academy in the Bronx. That is not a Title One school because they serve the Riverdale community where the parents are affluent. They ha- make money. But then it's a public school. And that school didn't have the same services that the school from down the block that I worked in had. Mm. And they were just as successful. So I find it interesting because I think that sometimes the Title I schools have the access to the technology, but the problem is they don't provide Wi-Fi to the families, and that's what I experienced at my school. We have, you know, uh, middle-class workers uh, in my community. A lot of people work. Uh, for NYPD and teachers, a lot of the people that live up here commute to the city and they're middle-class workers. Um, and the, our school, because we don't have a lot of poverty rates, we don't, we don't have, we're not a Title I school. So um, they get their, the, their supplies and their materials through the school budget that gets passed by the residents of the town. Um, but I remember that there was a student of mine who couldn't get the work done. And then I was like, how are you doing? Are you okay? And she's like, miss, I was doing good, but I can't, I don't do well in remote. And then I remember that the guidance counselor kind of told us that the girl couldn't submit the work on time because she had limited Wi-Fi in her house. So I literally had my teacher copy of the book that I was teaching and I drove to her house and she met me outside with her mom and I gave her the book because she couldn't even open up the PDF of the book at all. Um, Read it because it would just stay on it and she couldn't do any, any of the projects. She couldn't view any of the movies because of the data. She could, she had no access to that. They're so So, frustrated. You have a computer. So this is what I'm saying. Yes. Every kid has a computer, but then I was stressing with the Wi-Fi, the lack of uh, reliability of the internet access. Mm-hmm. You know, some um, companies provided free Wi-Fi to teachers and stuff. I was like, I want that. Like you know, when my Wi-Fi went off, I had to resort to my blue uh, to my hotspot on my phone mm-hmm. to, to finish doing my schoolwork, and I was like working off on my phone when I had no internet at home. That's a like substitute teacher, and when I'm connecting with the students, I see that some students, like throughout the meeting, they log on and off throughout the entire meeting. And I was talking for another teacher today, and she was like, "Yeah, the reason they're doing that is because their Wi-Fi is not good enough." Mm-hmm. Right. And like I'm thinking, like they're just like fooling around or something, and the whole time is because their Wi-Fi is not strong enough to like be in a Google Meet. And yeah. some go from their phones. They go from their phone. Well, the, all the students computer. have iPads. The, the the school that I work at, they all they have iPads provided by the school. But yeah, the they don't 
the school didn't provide internet. Yeah, a few of the city schools that, because I used to transfer a lot when I lived in the city. So a lot of the city schools that I know that I went to, they never had um, like iPads or um, the laptops at the schools. But there was actually one school that I knew that had iPads and we were supposed to be like the guinea pigs and everything. This was when I was younger and we were supposed to be the guinea pigs. But that's how my mom had told me like, oh, your school has a lot of funding because, you know, the area that the school's in. So that's why they have that compared to the school that was right down the block. And my brother said he didn't have no iPads there whatsoever. But then we came upstate and there was like the the laptops for everybody. You get that until you graduate and you could keep it forever. I was like, what? I was like, they let us keep it? And I had literally just bought my MacBook Air and found out I was going to get a Chromebook for the rest of my life. I was like, I saved all that summer money for nothing. <laughs> but yeah, like, and it is a struggle because even now, like my Wi-Fi here will go out every now and then and I'll have to just hop on my phone and use my data to, to join my classes. So, so I'm still attended for. That's the problem too with the devices because in my school they issue all Chromebooks, even for the teachers. And I had to purchase my own macbook just so i can teach because what's wrong with the chromebook that it's internet based yeah there's no wi-fi you can't work from that computer because it requires you for you to log on so i was like why not give the teachers uh a computer that has you know windows and you know that you don't need the internet to still you can still teach you know and, and plan lessons even when the internet is down so when we lost technology in our school, because I guess of the, the hacking, they did like that malware thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, we had no way of doing work, but I was doing work because I didn't have a Chromebook. I was using my MacBook Pro. So it's like difficult for kids because they can't log in without a Wi-Fi. They have a Chromebook and don't have a PC or some other device that requires internet. Yeah. It's a... Like, there's so much that really goes into it because, like, you just see how it really impacts everybody. Like, everybody has their own different situation with this, whether it's, like, they have trouble learning through just the computer because they're better in person or, like, the Wi-Fi or just not even being able, yeah, I guess that goes into Wi-Fi also, like, not being able to do submit their work, open their documents, and it's just, like, so frustrating because who knows how much longer this is going to keep going on for because... We just got put into lockdown again starting December 1st. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. So our next subtopic is how is distance learning impacting students? Um, as a me as a student, I'll share briefly about my experience. Um, academically, it's been fine. Like grade-wise, I'm still doing the same as um, if I was doing in-person, but that's my experience. Everybody's experience is different. Um, it has impacted me socially because I'm not interacting with my classmates or professor in person. You just log in and there's no like room for you to talk like how was your day or like and stuff like that. Like I haven't hanged out with none of my classmates outside of school. Mm -hmm. And where the pandemic hit, I was starting to make like a group of friends and we were going to like hang out outside of school. And then the pandemic hit and we haven't hanged out outside of school yet. So... Um, it has impacted me physically because I am sitting down most of the time. Like, yes, I work out like four times a week, but if I'm not working out, I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, and then finish about the mentally. 
Oh, mentally, um, I think I'm I'm in a good mental health space. I just like I feel like I always have to. I think this has always been me. I feel like I always have to be doing something. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like you haven't really changed, even though I did meet you during quarantine. But I, I still get the gist that this is how you've always been like set on routine. So you just follow through with it, anyways. So yeah, I'm very like routine based, but I always feel like I have to be doing something all the time. And sometimes I do feel guilty when I have free time. Like when I sit down and watch TV, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> <doing> something? <laughs> yeah. But- um, no, I agree. Like um, me academically, I haven't really been impacted that much. The only time it really impacted me was with math. Because that's something I really, really need to be in person person for i struggle with math since i even learned what math was so i really need that's the only thing that's really impacted me academically socially i really remember the first time me leaving my house from quarantine like it was yesterday it was so embarrassing save that for another time but it really impacted me socially because i literally became anti-social i forgot how it felt to be surrounded by people i remember my first family gathering after because the entire covid i would go out for a walk and everything but i would be with the same people every single day but then suddenly family gathering everybody's touching each other hugging each other i'm like i was literally getting anxiety like i was sweating i was just like oh my god and it's my grandma touching me rubbing my head like saying how much she missed me and i'm here sweating and then physically it did impact me i became such like i was a little bummy before um covid hit and everything and we would before we were online but I was always active I was always walking outside doing what I had to do uh working and then you know I was home in bed doing school work every day not working whatsoever until the summertime so it did impact me physically I wasn't even working out anymore because I didn't even know if my volleyball season was gonna happen anymore and they just canceled it (laughs) so sad but I'll get into that later on when we talk about this topic and then mentally I feel like it, it has impacted me a little bit mentally. Like, I've had my good moments where I'm like, okay, like, if I didn't have all this free time, like, have this a, a ability to be home all day, I wouldn't be able to, um, you know, maybe catch up on my shows as much, um, paint, um, catch up on my artwork and all that. But besides that, I think everything's been Gucci. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also with us being on online all the time, our screen time staring at a screen all day has increased and that that could impact and definitely can impact sleep due to like the blue light from the screen you know that kind of like messes up with like the brain and it it messes your vision up also like your brain okay like you need to go to sleep because the blue light is like in your eyes Mm-hmm. I actually had a, um, I got new glasses a few weeks ago and I had to get the blue light into it. I was like, listen, I don't know how long, yeah, I was like, I don't know how long this is going to be lasting for, but my vision got worse since quarantine. Cause I went in January last year to get my glasses checked, got that new prescription. And now they said it got worse. I was like, okay, I got to put the blue light because I'm always on my computer, always on my phone doing something. So yeah and then there's also a decrease in social interaction not being able to socially interact with your teacher and your classmates does impact a lot of students and this can hinder social emotional learning leadership social skills and public speaking and etc i agree with that a lot oh wait no say what you're gonna say i was gonna go to the next point oh i was gonna say me like 
just referring back to how I was in high school, I used to hate public speaking and everything. So imagine now, like I could really feel how a student must feel who already doesn't like it. But then now they're secluded from everybody. They're like, okay, this is cool. But then having to maybe talk in front of their classmates on the camera now, uh, that's even more weird because yes. you're seeing yourself. You see how you look. They see your background. You're so vulnerable. Like, ugh, yeah. it'd be so sometimes weird. I go to the chat. Sometimes I turn it. I I disable the chat and it faces them speak. Yeah, I felt like I see my students. Like there were uh, a lot of high incidents last year of students with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of students were depressed, being at home. Uh, guidance would reach out to us. We had a lot of students with anxiety, depression. Uh, uh, they just couldn't manage it. Um, and I think that that was a, a big adjustment. You go from going to school to a complete shutdown, and that's what they had to adjust to last year. Um, um, academically, think about, like, you know, we, we have a standard of trying to get students college and career readiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're forcing kids to do in third grade, second grade. Remote or distance learning is not for every student. Mm-hmm. Think about people's different um, uh, abilities as learners. Not every kid can be in front of the computer and 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 teach themselves because that's what it entails. Is is a uh, that self reliant learner? You need that disciplined student who is organized, who knows how to. Um, have that time management and how to say no to that friend called procrastination, right? Mm-hmm. And then how it's easy for you to be home and ah, I could take a nap about now. And then five hours later, you miss the whole school day and then you have like all this work to do. Um, so that those are skills that students acquire. Like imagine like your senior year in high school, then you go into college, you're learning all of that in college. And then now these kids who are now home, having to adjust it and then dealing with the, that, 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 that student who has to deal with their parent socioeconomic situation where you have that single parent uh, who has no other support system that it's not like they can work from home. Like certain people have the luxury of having that job that will allow them to work from home. Now you have a parent that has to go to work because I have to pay the rent or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then you have the older sibling who not only has to do their work, but help their little ones, uh, uh, siblings, um, get the work done. So it affects that kid academically too. And you don't have the patient. You're not a teacher to like, you know, do the work and then you lose your patience. You want to smack your, your, your sibling, you know, oh, you can't do this. Right. Um, so I think like, it's 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 a toll on everyone, and don't get me started on how parents feel about this whole mess. Right? <laughs> I think that's another episode. Yeah, for real, season two. Yes. Um, I was gonna say something, but I'll, I'll say it after you mentioned the the difficulty about space, Addy. Yeah. So another um, challenge for students with doing remote learning is difficulty of finding a space in your home to complete your schoolwork. You know, not all students have a quiet space in their home to attend their remote classes and complete their schoolwork. You know, some students have space constraints and have limited devices in their home on top of that. Other people in their home are also doing video calls at the same time. Parents, if they're working from home, siblings doing their own remote classes. And that can make it difficult for them to connect because they're using too much Wi-Fi in the home and mm-hmm. as access to like strong Wi-Fi. 
and also the 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 noise in the background like when i teach remote like when the kids unmute their homes are so loud like there's people adults like yelling in the background and the tv is like on volume 100 i'm like are you not going to respect like the child is trying to like literally pay attention and stuff like I don't, I don't understand. I don't stand parents sometimes or whoever's taking care of the, the person. The yeah, child. not going to lie. Like, I'm not even one of those, those little kids, but don't even mean to call out my cousins. But I'll be waking up ready for my class. My cousin, my cousin, she will be blasting music in the house. Like, we have a frat party going on in here or something. Like, that I will wake up to the house shaking. And I'm like, in my class, and my Spanish teacher, and I'm just here, mic on mute, and... I just hear like Bad Bunny playing in the background, like so loud. <laughs> you know, and it's so interesting that you mentioned that, Rihanna, because um, I, I'm the middle school student advisor, and um, one of the things that the middle school student government was saying that they're in the hybrid schedule and they don't know who's in their class because remember, there's like seven of them. And then they don't know who's in their class unless we have a Google Meet and they don't see everyone. So they had this idea of having a survival social. So yesterday we did the eighth grade, the entire eighth grade. And then today we had the seventh grade. And then the seventh grade, one of the things um, that I was talking to them was like, why are you uncomfortable with the camera? And a lot of the kids mentioned like, I, you know, I have my sister in the background. I'm fighting for space. And one of the, the other things that we said, where do you go? Where do you go to do your work? Where's the What's your favorite place? And that was the question I posed. And then one kid mentioned how, him and his sister go have to go to the basement because that's the quietest place in the house. But then she's in elementary school and then they're always fighting over the couch. That's like the comfy couch. So I was like, why don't you try like doing a schedule? Like, you know, who gets to sit there first or for what pivot? And she's like, yeah, but then she's mimicking me. And then she was fighting. And then I spent an hour fighting with her. And then I didn't get my work done because she like, so there is such a, uh, a fight for space like even in my home like I have an open floor plan my husband is a math teacher and he teaches remotely he set up the basement where I had having teacher conferences last week and he did too I was coming home uh to eat to, before I went back and I was like I had the option of uh doing parent teacher conference from home and I kept hearing my husband from the basement coming through my the bottom of my floor. And I kept hearing him talking to parents. And I was like, you know what? I drove to work and I did my parent-teacher conference from 7 to 9 p.m. at school because I couldn't compete with the, the noise. Mm -hmm. I have the dog playing with his chew toy. I can't shut him up, you know? <laughs> so it's like, then I hear, yes, it's like, it's difficult. Yeah, it's crazy. Like for me also, before we get into the next um, subtopic is... When it first started, too, um, my mom would be working downstairs in the dining room, and me and my brother's rooms were connected. So, and the walls are very thin in my house. So, I would be hearing his lesson that I'm so loud. I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know the Chromebook could be that loud. And then I'm in my class, and I'm just like, it's so much. And then let's just say I wanted to leave my bedroom, which is the next subtopic, like, because I didn't want to go in there, possibly fall asleep, and not focus on my work, and I wanted to go downstairs. It would be competition for space because my mom's down there actually doing her work. And it's just like, it goes, it, it's too much. <laughs> Have you tried headphones? I see a lot of my students are using headphones. And then that, 
you know, gets, you don't get the rest of the noise because you're speaking directly on it. But um, then I had a student that they would plug it in and then when they would unmute themselves, it was like the static was horrendous mm-hmm. with, the, with the headphones that they had. Yeah, it's because me, the only headphones I have are the ones that go into my iPhone, and that's not the one with the adapter. Oh, you need the, the adapter. The computers. Yeah. Yes. So that's why I was struggling a lot. My brother, though, um, he he would use his um, his headset that he would use for his his video games and use that for his classes, actually. Oh, that was smart. So then adding on to what Adi was saying, issues with completing your schoolwork in the space you sleep in is like you're more likely to be to get distracted. You're more likely to fall asleep, especially if you're sitting or laying in your bed while you're in class remotely. And why? Because our bodies unconsciously create different zones for activities we do throughout the day. For instance, your bedroom can be associated with sleeping, which is why it is recommended to dedicate a whole room for studying. But we understand not everybody can do this. And I felt that too, because it also goes into, um, it's, it's a little off topic, but not really. I remember doing a study or learning this in one of my AP classes in high school, um, how color like really plays an impact in how you interact with people in your learning. So that's why in school you see like bright colors of orange, blue, and and now you're just in, if your house is unpainted, you're just surrounded by white walls, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're also- Before the pandemic, I used to do my schoolwork in in my brother's room since he was away at college. But then now when he he had to come back, I had to move back to my room. So now I work, record, and do my Zoom classes here. And, like, it's, it's, it's been okay, you know what I mean? But I do spend a lot of time here. Tell him to switch rooms with you. Because <laughs> what's he doing here? Didn't he finish his schooling already? No, like, right now he he got back on Saturday, but he's still doing, like, his online classes till the rest oh, of the Oh, I thought they were done completely. No, they, no they have to go back. The colleges need to make money off of their students. I know, right? I thought this was like their break already. They were, like, they were starting their winter break early. No, they're not on break. <laughs> we wish. But, yeah, I agree with that. Finding Even I had just gotten a desk over here in my aunt's house, and the desk is still in my bedroom. So I'll be looking at myself in the camera, seeing my bed behind me, and I'm like... I just want to go in my bed, lay down. But I know once I hit the bed, it's over. Yes, yes. So I find my safe space being like the kitchen, dining room table sometimes. Yes, and they need to find a different location. That's what I, one of the tips that one of my uh, honor students in the seventh grade said was that she doesn't do the work on her bed. That she goes on the floor, she puts all her pillows down and she creates like this little comfy couch on the floor. And she uses the back of the bed to lean on it. And then when she rests, she and then it feels like she's someplace else. And then mm. she goes back. But she says she has to stay in her room because that's the quietest place. Um, and then it's just like, you know, you're jazzing up your room, making it like a workstation in that mm-hmm. area. And that, you know, that's something that you can do. But what happens if you share a room with your siblings and there's two of them in there, you know? So then that's the other issue, too. Yeah. Um, were you going to say something else, Adi? Well, I was just going to go to the next point. Oh, I, I just want to say one more thing. Ooh. Actually, something that I caught myself during, doing during quarantine was, like, usually when school was going on normally, I would just come home, take off my clothes, change, and just do whatever. But now, 
to even motivate myself to just do what I have to do in schoolwork, I'll literally dress up sometimes. Like I'm going outside, rose jeans, a, a nice shirt, whatever, just to sit at the dining room table. And if not the dining room table, and if you see me on the floor, that means I, I really need to focus. And everybody will be like, why are you on the hard, cold floor? Like there's a table, there's a couch. I'm like, I have to be uncomfortable to motivate myself to do what I got to do so I can be comfortable again, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. then, like, you wake up, like, I remember last year, like, during that time, I would just wear workout clothes. That was it. I was wearing my workout clothes. And I remember it was September. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's August. I go back to school. I'm, like, trying on all my clothes. And then I'm like, oh, oh, well, this pants don't close. This pants don't. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wear my workout clothes to work. I'm like, oh, my God, my clothes don't, my work clothes don't fit. <laughs> yeah, that was a other set of problems. So I was like, okay, now I need to dress professionally to work and none of your professional clothes fit. So I was like, oh, God. What do we do? Yeah. yeah. It's my dilemma right now. I'm like, none of my clothes that have fit me from the last four years don't even fit me anymore. I know. Because like teaching, I stand, I walk, I get steps without even trying. Now but we're just I'm here. Sitting down, like, this is new to me. I'm like, what? Like... I'm like one of those teachers that I would never sit down on my desk. Like it will be rare that I will be in the classroom and I will sit on my desk. Never. I feel like I don't have control of my classroom. If I'm sitting down, I will be doing that if I'm grading something. And that's when I'm on a prep and none of my kids are there. So I go from that to the sedentary life of looking at boxes and teaching. It's, it's, it's horrible. So bad. And then one of the things that I wanted to mention that you guys didn't have there, the impact on students, you have student athletes who can't play sports anymore. That's me! My volleyball season got canceled! You know, like, they're... The kids are struggling with that. Like, they they lost seasons last year and the September season, the fall season. I know my daughter plays soccer. She runs track. This is her senior year. There's no track. There's no soccer right now. Like, you know, it's like the kids are losing out on a lot. Even the physical aspect of of physical education, you know, changing that around. So annoying. Like, don't even get me started on that because me being a student athlete, I've always played volleyball and everything, especially once I got to my community college and I started playing volleyball there. I was like, yeah, and I was so excited for this season. Like, I was like, yeah, this is going to be my season. Like, you know, because it's my second year I'm graduating with my associates, so I'm considered a senior there. So mm-hmm. not coming out of my school, but they they favorite the senior um, athletes a little bit and give them more play time. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get my tapes in. So then when I'm ready to transfer to hopefully Cortland, um, they can see my tapes and maybe that can help me get on that team without, you know, having that much difficulty. And they moved my volleyball season from originally August to January. And it just got announced that we're not having it anymore. I'm like, no. So then once I graduate and if I want to play volleyball um, in my other college that I plan on going to, it's it's going to be 10 times harder for me. And like, I think about that for other students too, that are depending on like college um, yes. student athlete, like scholarship and they can't even get that anymore because they don't have the most recent tapes. They don't um, like these coaches aren't even seeing how these students look now, how physical act, how active they are anymore. And like, if 
it just goes hand in hand. And even if you don't plan on playing um, professionally or playing in a college, it still impacts you and how you feel because that's something that you love, something you enjoy, and you're not and even like do that. And you're right about that because remember, there's certain athletes that need the sport to do well academically because yeah. that's what keeps you on target, that keeps you disciplined and focused. And then once you take that element off, then, you know, you feel like your half of your identity is gone. Like, you've been stripped of that identity. And now you're just a student. And you're like, wait, wait, what? I, I don't, I'm, I'm a basketball player. I play soccer. Like, what do I do? What do you mean? And then, so, yeah, there a lot of the students, in, especially in the high schools, are suffering with that. I can't imagine the college uh, when they play in yeah. a college sport. But a lot of the high schoolers are having a difficult time adjusting yeah, with that. Yeah, I could imagine. And then, Adi, you got oh. that point. Um, so our last subtopic before we conclude our final thoughts is distant learning has negatively impacted low-performing students. So students who were already performing low in school before the pandemic are struggling even more now with distance learning. So in addition, um, experts are saying that students who continue to attend remote learning without the proper resources or support, support can decrease participation rate resulting in wider achievement gaps and a larger population of underprepared students. So I wanted to ask you, Diana, like, have you found, like, compared to the last school year, were you teaching in seventh grade? Or? Yeah, last year I was teaching seventh grade, uh, all seventh. Um, this year um, I am teaching, somebody laughed and I was supposed to replace the person, but they didn't replace it. So all the English teachers got are teaching a section of 10th. So I'm teaching all of 7th, 10th grade honors, and 11th grade honors. So I have three different English classes. So don't get me started on the grading. But in terms of student performance, you can ask me a question. Yeah, so like compared to the 7th graders you had last year, have you seen a gap with the 7th graders that started this so, year? In terms of like so it's interesting because uh, um, we keep tabs on the kids who are my seventh graders and are in the eighth grade. And then me and the eighth grade teacher, we work together because we teach the 10th grade class. Um, so we kind of try to plan. Um, and then she raises concerns about certain individual students. And these are the same students that once we went remote, they shut down. Like I, when I tell you, like I would send messages, I would uh, send them the private messages under the assignment asking, don't forget to take attendance. Don't forget to take attendance to be marked present. Did you do this? Something this? Oh, hand this in late. Like I was like, I don't want to give zeros. Right. So this is what I'm noticing now. Last year we were lenient. We were flexible and stuff. This year, our administration is like, okay, we have to teach. We have to get the kids back on track. We need to hold them accountable for their work. So then now you go from being super flexible last year, right? With the Corona pass, no one failed. Everybody moved on, right? Even the kids that should have didn't. Mm -hmm. Then those same kids are like, wait, I did nothing last year. I'm going to do nothing this year. I'm still going to move on. So how do you change that mindset, right? So then now I'm noticing that we are holding the kids accountable, they our school they have to take attendance and do an attendance check before 1 p.m. to be marked present from the school. I got students that don't even uh, open or take the attendance question at all. Um, mm -hmm. you have kids who don't even the work, and this is the new one. I'm gonna tell you this is the newest experience That's that I'm doing. I get the kids who 
parents are now are becoming savvy on Google Classroom and they're seeing that when the their kid doesn't do the work, they see the missing and it's red all over, red, missing. So now I'm getting savvy kids who want their parents off their back. I did all my work, mom, look. So the parents look and I'm sending the parent an email. The parent is calling me upset. Well, my daughter did the work and whatever. I'm like, she's like, there's nothing missing. I'm like, I know. Because she clicked the submit button. They're submitting empty work. So now they just turn everything in. Then I'm excited. I'm like, oh, yes, finally, she did the work. This is made my day. I open up the document. I'm like, my heart is full of like, they play yes, too. They're playing their parents. Oh, they're playing with my emotions. I'm like, oh, my God. I had to, I, I was like, if I had this one student. I'm like, if she, I swear, if she submits another blank assignment, I'm going to scream. She submits it. Blank again. And I'm sending her messages. Why do you keep turning this in? You didn't do the work. There's nothing on here. I called the house. I introduced myself. The mom was like, oh, good. Ms. Garcia, nice to meet you. I'm like, okay, um, is your daughter there? She was like, yes. I'm like, mom, could you put me on speaker, please? She was like, sure. I was like, well, so where's the work that you're submitting? I said, can you go get your laptop? So she gets the laptop. The mom has me on speaker. I am making her mom go through all of the things while I'm on speaker. And the mom is just realizing how the daughter keeps submitting blank assignments. And then the mother's reading my comments. Why are you submitting this blank? Please unsubmit this. You're submitting a blank assignment again. The mom had no idea. Mm -mm. Then now what I have to do is give zeros. So then the parents see the zero. And then what I do is, I allow the students to make up the work. This is one of the things that the pandemic has made me is like flexible. I want my kids to learn. And if that kid needs more time to get the work done, I remove that zero. Mm -hmm. So I put that zero there so that the parent knows that they didn't do the work. And then I allow them to make it up. Um, what I find is like my class, I'm like one of those annoying nagging teachers that I know that you don't want to do the work. And I'm like, when you give me my paper, when you, so my passing rate is high. Kids don't usually fail my class unless they really don't do any work. And then I nag so much, you do it just so you, I can shut up. Right. So I'm one of those. So when students start failing my class, I am concerned about this is like, we were having a meeting with the guidance department and my school is so good at, at trying to catch and motivate the kids who started off badly how do you recover from failing the first quarter? And then you have a new marking pivot just started. We're on the second marking pivot and we have some kids who are at the bottom. How do you motivate those kids to, all right, you, you didn't do so well. You get to start from scratch, motivate. And that's where I'm torn about. Like, how do I motivate? And that's when we did like the middle school survival social, because we're going to go full remote. And these kids are not meant for remote learning. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it's because of all of the different things that you guys all mentioned, right? They're dealing with so many different things. And then I honestly think that you have some teachers who are not techie, who are not tech savvy, who can give two craps about, I'm going to do it this way. They hand it in. If they don't do it, this is it. You can't do that. Like, this is the time for us to be reflective as educators, right? Try to motivate the kid to make it a little easier for the parent who doesn't have a degree in education and doesn't have the patience. I'm a parent too. And the patience that I have in the classroom is not the same one I have with my kids when I'm home because I'm already tired. And I'm like, did you not do the work? And I'm like yelling. I don't do that in the classroom. So it's not the same. And that's why I think the parents are frustrated too. 
Yeah. You know, they don't know what to check. Parents don't know what to look for. And I kind of want to have like a little thing with like the parents in my school so that they can see. Show how them to... all the hacks of what the students can yeah. do. Yeah, because then they I... like, I get the parents, but I saw them doing the work on the computer. Okay, but they didn't do my work. I don't know whose work what they, they were doing on the computer, you know? And then let's talk about the parents who don't, like my mother, like, I, I was born in the Dominican Republic. My Spanish was my first language. I was an ESL student in second grade. Nobody was helping me with my homework except for my older sister, Julie, who's 11 months uh, older than me, right? My parent didn't understand how to help me and didn't speak um, English to help me with the parents. What about the bilingual parents who are at home? I mean, the bilingual student whose parent cannot help them because they don't speak the English to assist them with the science and the social studies, which are nonfiction um, assignments. So I think it's you know it's 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 not easy, and I my heart breaks for like some of the kids who are struggling and the parents who really don't know how to help. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that basically sums up um, how that impacts the students and all that stuff. So we're about to close out now. Say goodbye to. Dayanara, that's how you say your name, right? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because I didn't want to say it wrong. But yeah, so we just wanted to ask you, like, so now that we have, we've been in lockdown again until December 1st, and you're probably going to get that, oh, just two more weeks of quarantine until it's for a few months all over again. How are you, like, mentally and emotionally preparing for that? Um, that's one of the things that I, I was more concerned about my students. Um, I've made modifications to my lessons already based on their feedback. Like I will ask a question if my lesson was okay. I was recording my voice to my Google slides so that the kids who were at home could just press the button and hear me teach, um, each slide. Um, I did a document, um, with links to my lesson, with links to the text, with links to the audio. Like, I would put everything on one document so that my students had everything there. Um, what I'm worried about is that we had the hybrid schedule when the students had access to me physically in the classroom. And now, after Thanksgiving, we're going full remote. So one of the things that we did in our school or middle school student council was have that survival social when we were able to meet with each middle school grade to get them ready for remote instruction. It's going to be difficult because now the kids have to join the meet to be marked present from class. They have to follow a pivot one through nine schedule with every teacher in front of them. And I'm wondering maybe that would be better for the kids who needed the teacher in front of them. So I'm being optimistic, hoping that that kid who was falling through the cracks, who didn't want to log in now might log in. I'm concerned about student self-image and looking at the camera and then getting used to, you know, doing what we're doing right now and feeling comfortable. So now I'm forced to, creating that classroom environment of comfort via a digital screen. Mm-hmm. And that's different from having a safe environment in the classroom because you don't know what kid is recording, who is making fun of someone, cyberbullying or whatever it is. So lucky I'm in a community that the kids are well-behaved and stuff like that. But the cyberbullying does happen here regardless, you know. So I, I, I'm just trying to figure out how to motivate the kids who weren't doing well the first quarter and how to get them now transitioning into like going remote. And then this is what I'm worried. I'm worried about me feeling the anxiety of waiting for Cuomo to say schools are closed. And then that panic that we felt 
every two weeks, like, is this school? Are we going back? Are we going back? Are we, oh, we're not going back. And then it's June and we never went back. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm scared that the, the COVID numbers will go up in, in my town and in our area in Orange County that we don't go back. That is my concern because yeah. I love the in-person aspect of teaching, you know, Ugh. joking around with my kids and laughing at that moment. And not having to worry about having an audience at home, you know, parents listening to conversations, taking it out of context or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, it's not the same because then you like worried about the kids are conscious about what they're saying. Because what mm -hmm. stayed in the classroom, stayed. what happened in the classroom, stayed in the classroom. You yeah. know, in the classroom now you is have not, a whole audience you, watching. Now you right? have a whole audience. And remember, it's illegal to record a classroom. Now you're doing these live Zooms and somebody's there. In every home is there, you know? So it's, it's, you're live. Yeah. This is so, live casting. That's what, that's what the kids are, are scared of, I think, too. Man. Well, honestly, hearing you say all these things this entire episode, you because you just met me, you don't know I'm an emotional person. <laughs> so <laughs> me being an emotional person, like, you just reminded me completely of why I wanted to be a teacher. Because, like, exactly oh, how you feel for these students, like, like, at the end of the day, yes, yeah, impacting you, like, socially, like, outside of school, but you're so, so focused on your students and how they're going to be affected either ways, you know, like, so, and that's how I feel, too, and it makes me really sad, like, thinking about that stuff, because I feel like us adults, like, that aren't teachers, aren't in school, like, it, it's a completely different thing for them compared to students where this is what leads them to getting to that point in their life where, you know, you have to learn how to make those interactions with people. You have to be able to adjust to certain things. And a lot of the things that you're not comfortable with in high school, middle school, elementary school, you eventually grow out of, but sometimes a lot of people don't. And I feel like this whole thing is really like impacting that heavy. And so. even in it's changing education, like, yeah who wants to be a teacher right now like you have like teachers who are burning out like i i've done a lot of work in my first years of teaching when i had no idea what the heck i was doing right now this is year 24 and i feel like a brand new teacher all over again and i have experience teaching so i can imagine a first year teacher trying to salvage and stay above water with the extra amount of hours that I spent to plan my three classes. And then I'm surviving trying to plan because before things weren't digitally, I didn't, I have to put all my live lessons in a format that is totally different. So even though I taught this grade before, I have to redo everything to make it digitally, you know, available, uh, to, available to my students mm -hmm. for three different grades. And then when I'm doing all my lessons for the week, I'm like, Oh shoot. I haven't graded anything. And then I have to go back to grading. And I'm like, oh my God, it's next week. I have lessons to do for this week too. So it's like never ending. And then I have parent teacher conferences last week and I have it tomorrow too. And it was via Google Meet, which was another demon of like, we're like, what? Google Meets? Like with the parents? But it went well. We had a good turnout. And I don't know how other schools are doing it. But I think it was more accessible to parents. They didn't have to drive or go into a long line. So the, the parent-teacher conferences via Google Meets were successful because parents were able, uh, able to stay at home and go to more than one kid's, you know, teacher. So I thought yeah. that was accessible. This, this is really something for me, too, because 
I didn't, I know you're like substituting right now, so you're getting that teaching experience already. But this really makes me think because I'm struggling to be a teacher, trying to get my master's right now in school. So I'm already going through the whole online learning myself. But imagine once I'm done with that, ready to actually step into the classroom and start teaching. How is it going to be completely different than how it used to be? From well, it's going to give you more ready. knowledge because yeah. you're going to reflect yourself. You're going to put yeah. yourself in that student's predicament. And then you're going to be a better teacher because of your experience during this. Mm-hmm. Like for me as a sub, I'm using my experience of using Google Classroom as a student because the school that I work at uses Google Classroom. And what like, I do, that's cool. Teachers who have been teaching for years, including my mom, I'm telling her how to do things on Google Classroom. So, yeah. And that's the other thing that people don't realize. Like we were doing Google Meets, right, with parents and the new feature of a breakout room. My teacher, oh, yeah. <laughs> we had to learn that ourselves. Like my my the my seventh grade team came and then we created a fake Google Meet and then we put each other in it and we, we were teaching ourselves. And this is the thing that people don't see. Like teachers are, I open up and I, and I come up with, I, I see this new software or this new internet site that's going to help with reading. So I'm like, oh, I want to try this. But then I have to play around with it. How do I get my kids to do this? So I am learning this new platform to make my class interesting, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But then I'm thinking it's cool, it's engaging, but I don't know how to use it. But then I'm teaching it while I am learning how to use it. And we don't get PDs on everything. And that's the problem too. We're learning on our own and teaching each other how to survive this new whatever it is because we still have to teach in the middle of getting the pd so it's it's insane i was actually talking to my older cousin about that um last week or so saying how i feel like a lot of kids from my generation and stuff like we were just born for some reason like being more tech savvy because i just remember growing up and me and all my friends be like, yo, my mom doesn't know how to work her smartphone. Like, it's so easy. Like, me, I don't even have a smartphone. I'm, like, seven years old. My mom's asking me, how do I find something on her smartphone? And I'm able to find it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like our generations are all prepped and ready for something that's eventually going to happen later on. And um, Yeah, I feel but like- they don't read. They don't read directly. Yeah, exactly. I answer 10,000 emails asking me the same question that I put in the instructions, in the directions of the document. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did you read my slide? Did you open up my lesson? I worked really hard on creating. Did you press the button? They don't even press the button. They're mm-hmm. like, where's the link? I literally had to write. Click. You know how you hyperlink something and it turns yeah. blue? They had no idea. They thought I just underlined it. So what I had to write, heck? Okay, that's not my generation. That's not my generation. Click here for the video. Click here for Miss Garcia's lesson. I literally have to write everything out. And now they know what they what everything means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's what I was saying, like, about generations. Because your generation is different from Ariana's. Ariana's generation is different from mine. And then and my brother, for example. Yeah. Because yeah. Ariana and me, like, too, when we first, um, when I first moved here to Long Island and everything, obviously, I wasn't going to be able to do that commute um, all the way upstate. So we had to learn how to adjust to Zoom and learn this software. And it was so funny, too, because even before we started doing the Zoom, I was trying to teach Ariana how to how to edit off her computer, how to work the computer, do yeah. um, the downloading and all that. And it, it was fun, but now she got the hang of it. She a pro. She be teaching me things that I don't even know. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's not in her head, guys. 
<laughs> she gave you props. She gave you props. Yeah. But okay, so that concludes our topic with distance learning. Episode 20. Yes, episode 20. Thank you, Diana, for taking the time and spreading the knowledge and sharing a topic that you're passionate about. I already knew that you're passionate about teaching, but yeah, now from like this conversation we had this evening, I can see that you're really passionate about yeah, this. Yeah, she 100% all about it. She go hardcore. She gave us all those ju- juicy little details. I know, but that's my fear. Like, it's exhausting, and, and that's my fear is, like, when I lose it. Like, when do you lose it? And it's so easy to, like, get caught up on being tired and not working hard, but when the kids do the work and then I get the delayed good. gratification, they're the reason why I do it. Mm. You know, when you have that struggling kid that does the work for you. And that remember the kid that I told you that I called? Yeah, speaker. I got an email from her, and I don't know if it was the mom who made her do it. She was like, "Thank you for giving me the opportunity to make up the work." And by the way, you're my favorite teacher. I was like, "How am I your favorite teacher when I just put you on blast on speaker with your parents?" So I was no, like, "Listen, I'd be up there like, dancing up and down like, yeah, I did that." I'm like, you know, I think the mom probably put her up to it, but I was like, "Okay, I'll take it." It was so funny, yeah. but yeah. But it's a pleasure being here, and thank you. And you guys are doing a fantastic job. Here's to like 200 followers. Not 200. I wish. Yeah, we're gonna get get 200. Yeah. Thank you for being our first guest. This is gonna go down in history. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. So that was really nice. That whole thing. I really like her. She. She. She was a lot here about her talk um left now but we're just gonna do our current events and like say our concluding season thoughts yeah ma'am so first current event one of the first of the the last current events for until our break <laughs> is about um the new york city dead stay and freezer trucks set up during the covid um the spring COVID. okay New York City um, dead stay in freezer trucks set up during spring COVID-19 surge. So there was an article released by the Wall Street Journal, which was released on the 22nd of November, and stated that freezers filled with dead New Yorkers were found with those who died when COVID first started back in March. They were actually starting to fill up they actually started filling them up in April, it had also said. But according to the article, the freezers are currently located in Brooklyn and filled with about 650 people um, that, yeah, it's kind of, I didn't even, I don't know what they were doing with these people, but the fact that they're all, like, bundled up in freezer trucks yeah. in the city somewhere, that's weird to me. But the bodies are people whose um, families can't be located or cannot afford a proper burial. Officials at the chief medical examiner's office said that they were actually having a very hard time tracking down these families of about 230 people. And that's pretty much all I really said about that. But the bodies are still there and they're still piling up. But that's majority of those bodies that are there are from when COVID first started. That's that's insane. And I could imagine the families of... The bodies that are here, they didn't get that closure because obviously people couldn't visit the hospital and now they don't even know where their body is. Yeah. Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, and the fact that, like, funerals aren't even allowed to happen right now because COVID's still a thing. But if you're able to afford it and have a small little gathering, they were letting you before, you know, the new rules and regulations that they're putting in place now. 
Yeah. But back then, yeah, imagine not even knowing if one of your family members is dead because, like, the government can't reach you about their body. Mm-hmm. That's... If I found out that, let's just say, like, um, my dad wasn't one of those freezers and I didn't find out until a whole year and a half later when COVID passed because they finally found me, I, I'd be like, Gaka. Yeah. I'd be like, yo. I'd be like, this man was dead in the freezer all these months and I'm just finding out? Like, where was I? I don't know. I, I don't wonder if, like, people are going to, like, ending up suing the city somehow because I, I know, like, we didn't see this pandemic coming. Um and maybe the city wasn't prepared for something like this, and that's why they're all in freezers and stuff and can't be located, but yeah. maybe people are going to find a way to sue. Like, you couldn't find my family member, and they died a year ago or whatever. Yeah, but Mayor de Blasio and Cuomo are both trying to find um, places to place these bodies because they actually had to make room for these freezers to be placed because... Right now, with obviously all the deaths happening, cemeteries are going to be expanding a lot more because thousands and hundreds of people are dying. And so um, they needed a place to put those um, those bodies since they couldn't be at the actual like funeral home places or the morgues because there was no room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So our next current event, we're only doing two current events um, just to give us time to say our including thoughts. And we know that this the main Part of the episode was was long as well. Um, so the second current event is Calvin has released on $2 million bail. During the summer, we shared a current event of what Kyle Rittenhouse did back in August. So for those who don't remember, Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed two protesters during a Black Lives Matter protest. On Friday, November 20th, Kyle Rittenhouse was released and was able to be released on, on a two 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 million dollar bill because people donated to get him out of bill. There was like a hashtag going around and people used that hashtag to raise awareness. I don't know what type of awareness they were trying to raise to to raise money for this kid that um he was seventeen. That's why I'm calling him a kid, um, that shot and killed two people. So he's not released and um he didn't get his trial yet. So, yeah, we'll keep you guys updated when his trial comes up and see if he is going to be found he's guilty. That, he's that white guy I've been seeing on social media with the gun walking in the street. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. What's it called? I'm not even paying attention to that. Don't think I don't care, guys. Obviously, I do. But I'm not surprised about that whole GoFundMe page to bail me out of jail thing because I killed two human beings, you know? Because that's just what America is. And... You know, me being here in Long Island, so scary because I'm surrounded by Karens and Confederate flags and police lives matters everywhere. And I'm so my two neighbors are Trump supporters and for, you know, pulling bullets through people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that shit's just not okay. Yeah. But this is America. This is the world we live in. And hopefully, before I die, there is a change. We're going to be 89, so talking on our podcast about how there needs to be change in America. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. It's so bad. But, yeah, guys, that completes the current events for this episode. But <gasps> uh, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Yo, Ariana's laughing because of the face I make. I don't care. This It's been a long run, my people. <laughs> like... Yo, like, I think this is the first time I've been so committed to something. Because you and I, 
one, we bonded so much through this podcast. Like, guys, we'll, me and Adi have been be talking on the um, on the Zoom call for, like, an hour to 30 minutes sometimes before we even start talking about the episode. Yeah. And now I'm not even going to be seeing Adi's face anymore for the week. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. But, yeah, this, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing that with the free time that I usually, like, working on the podcast. Yeah, because if... If I'm not um, doing the document, you're editing. Editing. If you're not editing, I'm doing the document. Um, as if you're not editing, I'm editing and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you know, like now it's like, yeah, we have more free time, but it's, it's so weird knowing that the thing that I've grown accustomed to, we're not even doing it anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like no, but seriously, this, this is like the only thing in my life that I've really committed to, like for so long because even my youtube channel that i was doing when i was younger i only did that for like a month and a half and i kept on trying to go back to it but i couldn't follow through this 20 weeks yeah 20, 20 weeks. episodes yeah that's 21 weeks actually if you want to count that week yeah, that 21 weeks but uh, 20 episodes yeah that? that's like that's like 20 over 20 hours of content yeah and how many months how many months from july till november four, four months four months with 20 plus hours of content. Two girls talking about why you should vote, what sexual harassment is, um, how to deal with the fast, fast fashion industry, Black Lives Matter. Election <sighs> this year, oh my gosh. Yeah, like, and I'm thinking, I'm like, damn, like, and we, we haven't even covered it all yet. Like, there's still so much mm-hmm. to talk about. Man. I really appreciate all our listeners that I've been listening to our episodes every week or are catching up people that follow us on Instagram and we we really appreciate it, you know? Yeah, we Without really, you guys, there would be no us. Literally, I don't think we would be that motivated if we only had five listeners every week. Like, that would really, like, unmotivate us really quickly. But obviously, we don't know who you guys are by name, but there are 12, um, 12 or so listeners that listen to us every week right away. And... If you know who you are, if you know that you make sure to listen to us every Friday, every Saturday during the weekend or throughout the week, we appreciate you. We notice you. We don't know you by name, but we're watching you. We see you as an, a number right now because of the thing. Yeah. But like, you're the reason why we keep on editing. And we go, okay, people keep coming back to us. They like us. They want to hear what we have to say, our feedback. And, mm-hmm. you know, that makes us feel better. And so just thank you for all the support. Like, even just getting a hundred followers to somebody else, it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But it's us. Like we to put such hard work and effort into this, and yeah, we're trying to create awareness. But it's like seeing people acknowledging our work and makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah, it just makes us want to do so much for you guys. So just wait till season two. I'm gonna be working on a lot of things to help us um, do whatever we have planned for season two. And yeah. We'll be doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work until we post season two, which is the beginning of 2021. Yeah, and hopefully, maybe we will start putting up, um, things up on YouTube because I've been getting a lot of things from people saying, like, oh, is it on YouTube? I'm like, no, it's on everything but YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we might work on that. Hint, hint. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, guys, thank you for listening to season one, um, and we'll see you in season two. Yeah, Happy New Year. Merry um, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Oh, you know all the holidays. Yeah. 
Happy Black Friday. Happy yes. um what other holiday? Is happy, happy all the holidays. Yeah. Hopefully by the time we come back in twenty twenty one, I mean there's still gonna be lots of news to talk about, but like we're ready. So yeah. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>